0: Doki folks, welcome to the Roots Report Podcast, presented by Motif Magazine and sponsored by The Parlor, R1 Entertainment, the Trinity Brewhouse Beer Garden, Gray Graysale Brewing of Rhode Island, and SC Microphones. I am your host, John Fusick. Today we have comedian Paula Poundstone. We talk about cats, dogs, COVID cancellations, comedy in a sensitive world, and much more. Poundstone will be bringing her always entertaining stand-up show to the Narrow Center for the Arts on Saturday. Today, October 22nd. Paula? Yes. It's John Fusick from Motif Magazine in Rhode Island. How are you? All right, how are you? Are you available to talk now? Yep, absolutely. I think we did the overlapping voice messages.
1: Oh, yeah, but that's great because that means that we both come away with a voice
0: message. <laughs> Do you collect
1: them? I get I get very few anymore. Yeah, you know I'm, I'm a little isolated.
0: You're a little isolated. How come?
1: I don't know. Maybe COVID or something. Just this time went by. I don't know.
0: Have the phone doesn't
1: ring that often. So when I get a voicemail, you know I play it over and over again. <laughs> Myself the impression that I'm really popular.
0: Have the kids flown the coop?
1: Yeah. Yeah, they have.
0: You're an empty nester now?
1: Well, I guess I am, sort of. Yeah. I work out of my house, so you know, it's not a big house either, so it's not like I'm, you know, rattling around the west wing. Um, and I have ten cats and two big dogs.
0: Oh, you have two ten dogs now.
1: Oh, yeah. I've had two for a long time. Now. I had two before, and then one died, and I got another one. Oh, I nice. thought last time
0: I talked to you, you only had one, and then you had tw- well, I think you hours. had one dog and twelve cats last time I talked to you.
1: Oh, that's a possibility, yeah. I got Mo um, three years ago, something like that, around three years ago. I got her like maybe a year before the pandemic hit. By the way, the pandemic's made dogs weird. Why is that? Well, you know, because well, I, I think for my dogs, when we're walking, and we walk a lot, but when we're walking, I remain in the habit of, if someone's, you know, coming towards me on the sidewalk, I step off. I think I've given them the impression that people are bad or something.
0: Oh, um, maybe. You know?
1: Whereas what I'm really doing is, A, making sure there's no sort of incident with my dogs, and B, giving way because of six feet and all that stuff, you know, just make sense to me mm. I, plus i just got in the habit of doing it uh, during the and and by the way whatever the new variants there's more than one new variant i believe and whatever the new variants are i think one of the things they have in common is that they're highly transmissible i think it's probably a habit well worth keeping uh, but anyways it has given i think my dogs the impression that everybody they meet is just horrible <laughs>
0: <laughs> now did you uh maintain co- covid free status for the past three years or did you wind up getting it
1: have no i haven't gotten it
0: Oh, that's and, good.
1: Okay, you're not supposed to mention... You know, on Twitter, they'll have, like, the over on the side, on the, what is it, right-hand side, they'll have, like, sometimes articles, that headlines of articles that they're thinking one might click on. I don't generally read the articles. I just see the headlines. It's one of the problems we're having with people spreading misinformation is people like me who just glance at the headline and then give themselves the impression that they actually know what the article says. <laughs> so... <laughs> Consider this a possible part of that practice, but um, I did see a headline. I did not read the article, but I did see a headline that said something to the effect of that there are people that just don't get it. And oh, I I'm believe that I might be one of those.
0: No, I, I do believe that because my father and I both got COVID about six months ago, and my mother did not get it, and she w- And my father was absolutely just did not keep to himself. I mean, he was you know, if there was in an, any spot in the house that he could, uh, you know, broadcast <laughs> his sickness, he was in the central area of it, and he was broadcasting the fact that he was sick for a week and a half, and my mother did not get sick, and I have know a few people did, didn't get it, so I, it's a good thing, but I, I think I'm on my fifth COVID shot.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, I have all five shots. I mean, I've done what you're supposed to do, but I travel for a living. I, you know, I have a friend that is like this, I, honestly, she brags about how safe... She- is you know how she wears double masks and she doesn't, you know, she won't be around people, blah 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 blah. She got it, and I'm like, okay, if if she can get it then then there's something weird you know then there's something different about me that i that i have it i'm not upset no i'm I wouldn't glad be. i'm glad to not get it i don't know what i would do if i did you know this summer i was working in um Hyannis one night and it occurred to me i went for a walk with a friend of mine and and it occurred to me like i i was, and the following night i think i was going to like martha's vineyard or something if i got sick while i was there what would i do right i can't can't get on an airplane and fly home I I can't really stay in a hotel. And besides which my friend pointed out, she said, you know, the hotel room you're in tonight does not have room for you tomorrow night. (laughs) Right? Because I only had a reservation for one night.
0: Well, you would have to pitch a tent. And
1: everything was booked. It was a really good point. Like, oh my gosh, I guess I would just be, you know, on the side of the road. But anyways, I haven't had to cope with it, which I'm so glad. And I, I do wear masks, you know, on the airplane and in the airport and mostly in the hotel, like if I'm around anybody. But every now and then I forget or I slip up. And so, I don't know, just lucky, I guess.
0: Yeah, no, I was adamant about the mask for a long time, and then I got it. I was like, I don't even know how I got it. That's the whole thing is I have no idea, and I had, you know, I had four vaccines in me at that point, so it is what but it I is. Mean, they
1: don't say that the vaccines will stop you from getting, what they say is it'll keep you out of the hospital.
0: Right. Well, and, I got uh, the... And that
1: sounds like a pleasant idea to yeah, me. Yeah,
0: I got the brain fog, which still lingers, which I hate, which nobody wants. Oh, I'm wants. so sorry. Yeah, that's no fun. It, it, I was spacey before, <laughs> before COVID. I'm just more extra spacey now.
1: I have a friend who's a um, professor in uh, North Carolina. She got it. She ended up with long COVID, which you know for the longest time doctors didn't know was a thing right and I understand there's a group of people that sort of found one another online that really pushed this idea that what they had was long COVID but but you know doctors in that arrogant way were like oh no you're fine uh, and, and, and like for each of them individually in whatever state or wherever they live and they sort of started this movement to get this recognized part of the reason I think that doctors weren't recognizing it is that the symptoms of long COVID are so fucking weird. Right,
0: right. So
1: for one thing, this very gregarious woman who's a professor found that there were periods of time where she could not speak. Wow. Yeah.
0: That's hot.
1: One day she was driving her kids somewhere and people kept honking at her. And she said she was sort of using it as like a teachable moment. She was saying to her children, do you see how rude people can be when they're in their cars? Blah, blah, blah. But people kept honking at her. Well, it turns out she was stopping at green lights and going at red lights.
0: Oh, wow. So yeah. all
1: this is COVID.
0: Yeah, no, I, I get it. I get it. I totally get it. I'm not that bad, but I you know I've just gotten extra spacey. But that's a shame. That's really a shame, but, you know, yeah, it's, people yeah, don't want yeah. to recognize, I mean, people didn't want to recognize COVID to begin with, but it's like chronic fatigue syndrome. They don't want to recognize that, so it's probably going to get lumped in with like chronic fatigue syndrome and Lyme disease that people don't understand, so they just will throw it in there and it's like, yeah, yeah, whatever, you're a faker, so.
1: Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. And, and I think one of the things that we've learned from this sort of grand experiment is that we're fucking
0: idiots. <laughs> that, and- that I agree with wholeheartedly. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with
1: that. I I, mean, we should have known that already. Right. But, um, you know, somehow, I mean, I think we had a lot of data that was pointing in that direction. Right.
0: (laughs) But, yeah. I was scheduled to talk to you three years ago, just before the pandemic, because you were scheduled for a show in the area. I was scheduled to talk with you, and then that all fell through, and then it was the three-year hiatus that everybody took, and now this show actually was scheduled earlier in the year and then it was postponed till later in the year. So you're gonna be at the narrows at the end of October. Yeah, that, that was scheduled earlier in the year, then it was bumped to October. Are you finding that you're still getting postponements? I know like yeah. I uh you know, I saw Ringo Starr a couple of weeks ago and that show was postponed three years ago too, and then constantly every year kept getting postponed and then this year we were to see him like two days after we saw Paul in concert and then we were excited. We we're like we're gonna see two Beatles in a week and then all of a sudden like the day before wow. the show the rest of the tour is cancelled and then finally we were like gonna see him and we're watching it we're like the day before we're like holding our breath hoping we're gonna go and we finally get to see the show and then like two days later he postpones the tour again because of COVID so we're like
1: whew, we, oh, got, we got geez. that one in
0: there <laughs> have you had to postpone anything again?
1: not recently I mean the last time was um uh was it last this was no so Oh, was it last December? I can't remember. It was a um, no. I started back a year ago, last June, and then when that December rolled up, um, remember that's when Omicron hit. Right, and there were right. More postponements then. You know, there was more stuff that got delayed then. But I'm still making up for shows that I didn't do.
0: Well, your schedule looks very busy. I, mean, I was looking at your schedule and like, wow, you're pretty busy.
1: It's, it's always been pretty busy, but pro- probably a little bit more so now as a result uh, uh, of, of uh, you know, cramming other things. And you know, it's funny when... When COVID first hit, so it was uh, in March of 2020, I came off the road, I'd headed to the airport, I was going to do a job, I had to fly into Aspen a a day, you know, a a night early because Aspen's hard to get to. So I was leaving here on a Wednesday to work in Aspen on Thursday. And then on Friday, I was supposed to be in New Jersey. And then on Saturday, I was supposed to be in Northampton, Mass. As I'm going to the airport, the phone rings, it's my manager. And she says, uh, you know, Northampton has um, canceled. And I was like, oh, okay, all right. And I said, well, should I still be, be going to the airport? And she said, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know. And then I, I think I get to the airport, and she calls me again. She says, uh, well, you know, uh, New Jersey is canceled. I said, okay, all right. You know, should I? What's going to happen with Aspen? Should I still go? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Said, oh yeah, <laughs> Aspen. So uh, you know, I fly there on Wednesday. Um, on Thursday, uh, we, uh, you know, we talked. I don't know how many times in the interim. Uh, But, you know, Aspen's still on, Aspen's still on. On on Thursday uh, at about noon, I get the call that Aspen's canceled and I, you know, I head home. Now, my poor agent, because in the interim, I'm getting calls about other dates as well. This is canceled, that's canceled, this is canceled, that's canceled. Um, And my poor agent is stuck not only can you know dealing with the canceled date but you know postponing uh, you know moving it to another place so my my manager says to me you know multiple times a day she'll call and say do you have do you have your calendar and uh, I'll go no hold on let me go I was she's getting from my calendar to say okay to um, so see, okay, Aspen has moved now this was with March, Aspen has moved to May, and I, I, I remember thinking, like, well I wasn't certain that that's really what was going to happen, you right. know, and then of course May would come around, and I would get a, you know, call a little bit before saying, okay, we're moving the May date you know, to July <laughs> And, you know, every time she'd call, she'd say, do you have your calendar? Do you have your calendar? And at first I would say yes, and I would go get my calendar. After a while, she would call and say, do you have your calendar? And I'd go, yeah. And I wouldn't go anywhere near it. <laughs> and, she would, and she would tell me some date that I was supposed to move. And I'd, just, and I'd go, she'd go, you got that? Yeah. But I didn't. Because I knew they weren't going to play. And it was just, you know... I was just creating eraser shavings in my in my in my uh, office, mm. and and I said to her at one point, I go, you know, this is really early on. I said, I think we're gonna be, I think it's gonna be beyond the summer by the time we're back, mm. and she was like, you're so negative, <laughs> and, and of course, I wasn't nearly negative enough.
0: Right, right. You have your own pot This is a podcast. I, I, I think she told you that, right? This is a podcast. You have. Oh,
1: she didn't tell me that. Maybe oh. she didn't. I forgot. <laughs> Honestly. I can't really just, you know, I can remember almost every member of my kindergarten class, but I can't really remember if anybody told me stuff like, oh, there's a podcast.
0: Yeah, my mother, my mother's like that. She remembers people. My mother's 83 years old and she remembers people she went to kindergarten with. Me, I don't. I don't remember. Well, I didn't go to kindergarten, but I mean, I don't remember anybody. Well, that's going to make it
1: harder to remember.
0: Right, right. (laughs) So. You have, I mean, you were doing the wait, wait, don't tell me podcast, right, for a while. Are you still doing that?
1: Um, it's a radio show. It's a radio show. Oh, it's and a radio podcast. show.
0: I thought that was a po- All uh, right. made
1: by NPR. Right,
0: but you have oh, your no, own podcast it's been now. long
1: before podcasts were were a thing. Um, I think I've been on there for something like either twenty one or twenty two years.
0: Right, you're still doing that um, though, right?
1: I do still do it, and it's still very fun to do. The others still cheat. <laughs>
0: And you have your own podcast now. Is That's relatively new, isn't it?
1: You know, we've been on, we've been podcasting, I think, for four years now. It's called Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. And, I mean, I do it because I'm a human being, and right. human beings do podcasts. That's, <laughs> that's part of the new scientific definition. of It used to be, you know, we breathe oxygen, we don't eat our young, we have hair. And now it's, we breathe oxygen, we don't eat our young, we have hair, and we have a podcast.
0: Yes, I've joined that crew, which I swore I'd never do, but it's it's kind of interesting. I actually like doing this. I mean, I've done a lot of interviews over the years. I always found that sometimes the, the interviews lacked the nuances that the interviewee had, and I found that the podcast, you get to listen to it, you get to listen to the interview, and you get to hear, especially when I talk to a comedian. Sometimes comedians make voices and noises and do weird things, and you can't translate out into print so i found that this works out well and then with musicians i can put music in too so it that Ooh, that's nice yeah, yeah i like i like doing it it's it's a fun format i i found that i like tell me about your podcast what do you do on yours
1: funny way i was just uh talking to my manager last night about how uh, bad we are at describing it and whether it's important that <laughs> we develop some sort of a line to s- explain it um it's a comedy podcast, first of all Its its number one goal is to entertain But I, I like to do that based on real information And therefore, every episode It's 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 me and my partner, Adam Filber, Who's also from Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, by the way And and then, over time, my my manager, Bonnie Burns And, and another woman, one of the producers on the show Tony Anita Hull uh, Back when we were in a studio uh, You know, they kind of worked their way onto the microphone And so they're there as well But every episode, I interview someone who is you know an expert on some real topic that has you know practical uh, relevance in people's lives, and then in addition to that, it is mostly just a study in silly. Uh, um, and yeah, um, and the and the the topics of interview go anywhere from you know how to choose a good olive oil to uh, you know how do we get stuck with the electoral college. That's um,
0: that, that sounds interesting. I mean, uh, that's you know. It's
1: really fun. I I, I mean the truth is I, I'm sure that it wouldn't be for everyone in terms of <laughs> the taste of it. Uh, but but it is really fun. I, I I think for me, because as you know, it's a lot of work.
0: Right, right. And, These uh, things take it, me about... I mean, people think a podcast is easy. You sit down and talk to somebody, and then you're done. No. Uh, before a podcast, I have to... Number one, I have to s- go through the rigmarole to schedule it with the performer. Then I have to do some research. Then I have to do the podcast. And then I edit it myself, which takes hours to do. So it's about eight hours per podcast.
1: Oh, boy, we got you beat. I, I think... <laughs> (laughs) I think i write for about 10 really you would never know from listening to my podcast that anything was written but i do i think i found for one thing i go i sometimes i do like goofy silly stupid characters and it's a format in which i can do that um i've been able to sort of stretch out a little bit um including including any kind of writing uh, which i've not you know which is just different than what i've done in my uh, in my other, you know, in, in the rest of my career. You know, you try to weigh, you know, it's not bang for your buck because, you know, it, podcasting is very much like, you know, gold mining. The people who make the money are the people who sold the picks and shovels. In right. um, that way, it really, we were late to the party. You know, if you're Mark Maron, who really was prescient, about the whole podcasting thing, you know. So he's, he, you know, he can make a living off of it. I, I don't know people who make a living off of it. I know people who, you know, do it. And then you have to decide: do you like it well enough to keep doing it? That's all, right. um, you know. So long as it's not costing you money, you're, you're, you probably you're in the top fifty percent. <laughs>
0: well it doesn't cost me money but it's not really a money-making proposition it's just i do it because it's enjoyable and i get to talk to a lot of interesting people and um it's you know i'm a creative person because i'm an artist and i'm a performer you know it kind of is a creative kind of thing because i used to do graphic design too and i don't do graphics much anymore so this is kind of like a visual graphic design where i do some editing and stuff it's kind of visually editing and stuff so yeah yeah it's you know it has its i had
1: to, i had to have like a Jones for Breaking Bad I don't get cable uh, at home and are you um, still
0: watching the DVDs at night you were watching uh, yeah, that's right you would do the DVD Queen at night
1: and I watch them over and over again right so I'll fall asleep watching a, a, a disc and when I wake up in the middle of the night just to you know roll over or use a bathroom or something when I wake up I push the button again and it starts to play again I get really a few minutes in before I fall asleep but um, I might wake up again And the thing's still playing So So For about four years Every now and then I would switch to something else But for the most part For about four years I've been watching Breaking Bad With little breaks Little breaks with other things Here and there But But anyway So One of the uh, Segments on our show We don't do it Every week But we do it Every so often Um uh, because for the most part, it's not really a celebrity-driven show. It, but one of the segments on our show, we call "Outside the Actors' Studio," and the premise is that I get an actor or actress to come coach me on auditioning, and I write this scene that we're going to do. Like how when you go in for an audition, you know, you have they give you this, you know, scene for your uh, character, and and when you go in for an audition, somebody very, um, in a very unanimated way, tosses you the lines that come before yours. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, this is a little bit more um, performance than that would be. But anyways, so I write these scenes for us to, audition, you know, for, for me to do this audition with, with the actor actress. So, somewhere along the way, I got Betsy Brandt, who plays Marie, on Breaking Bad, and it's so fucking wonderful. So, somewhere along the way, I got her to come do I don't not come because we're all via Zoom now on our, um, you know, we're all connected via wire in the podcast, not in the studio together. But I had so then I have to think of a scene. So I had this idea that I would have her be like an older rookie uh, cop. And the whole idea was based on one line that I wanted her to say, which was I wanted her to say something. What was the line? It was uh, God, I can't wait to shoot someone. (laughs) So that was like, so I wrote a scene that made it so that she could say that line because I could just picture her doing it really well, and um, you know, and then the I I play the um, I play the uh, you know the grizzledly older cop that ends up partnered with her on her first day or whatever. So when she says that, my cop's you know reaction is to like look at her funny or something, and then she quickly goes. Uh, legally. I want to do it legally. Um and so whatever. So I'd written this scene. Now we go and we do it on the you know, on the podcast. And she did it exactly how it was she did it like so perfectly. It was so funny. And that to me is worth at least a year of making no money and working really hard to make a podcast. <laughs> I mean that's an experience that i you know i'm not gonna have in any other i mean unless i try to become a screenwriter which uh, i don't think i have the talent for it but i could be a you know i can be a scene writer i can right. get that and so really it's giving me this opportunity to sort of you know to s- stretch and also when you were mentioning you know you get to talk to people you wouldn't normally like i i mean i have no idea why she would say yes to me but she did <laughs>
0: Well, sometimes I wonder why people say yes to me, but they do. So it's it's you know, it's a good thing. I think people like to talk sometimes and I like it and some people wonder why I leave, leave some of the mundane stuff in and cuz I like to leave that in because it lets people know that performers, comedians, musicians, whatever, they're just real people and they do the same things that we do and I like people to know that.
1: I think it's I, I mean, I think one of the things that attracts people to uh, listen to podcasts <laughs> Um, and you know, no, I'm not. I'm not dissing uh, uh, radio here, uh, because that's a lovely venue. But I think people like the idea that it breathes a little bit, right? You, you know, I, I mean, on NPR or you know, on like in, I, I, I watch um, the News Hour on PBS a lot. You know, they'll be talking about this really big issue uh say climate change you know or maybe you know how does you know how's climate change affecting uh the world food market you know it's an enormous issue and you know they'll be on it for two minutes and they're like okay well we're all out of time <laughs> well who says so who's who, who came up with the idea that you talk about that for two minutes we mean we're all out of time you made the rules right right uh, so the You know, the nice thing about podcasting is you you can kind of let things breathe a little bit, you know, instead of always being... My son, when he did... My son was in gymnastics when he was young, and he used to have this... um, I think the guy was Romanian, that was his coach, and he would say to him, Who is chasing you? (laughs) Meaning, you know, why are you in such a hurry? Right.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, the thing I've noticed is, like, because I, I deal with music and I'm a performer and because I produce some events and such sometimes we have to deal with these morning show things and those are the worst because talk about not allowing time you you know oh, yeah. I don't even do them I send somebody else to do a morning show now because I don't want to do them because you do a morning show you get to get there a god awful time number one but number two is that get in there you get all prepped up and then you're on there for 30 seconds and they're yeah. like Yep yeah. yeah. and then they they talk to you for 30 seconds and then they fade out on you doing whatever you're doing and you've spent all this time preparing and it's like 30 seconds of nothing that if the, the the audience person blinks they missed
1: yeah absolutely yeah absolutely i get distracted so easily like in terms of what i'm approach something saying to myself i'm gonna say this and i'm gonna say this and i'm gonna say that but then when the interview opens somehow i'll get distracted by something maybe you know and i'll say something that's not particularly powerful one way or the other it's sort of <laughs> it fell out of my mouth <laughs> and then they're like okay it's all we have time for <laughs> I'm like, oh, god damn it I I would not come to see me, because that's the only reason I do, you know, that's the whole idea is to, you know, I'm doing, it's shameless self-promotion, right, trying to get right. people to come out to see me in theaters and stuff, and I would, I don't think there's one interview I've ever done in my entire life that if I were an audience member and I had seen such a thing, I would come to see the performer <laughs> based on it.
0: Well, you've always I mean people do come to see you. I mean, you have a really good reputation for having I mean, I've seen you probably a half dozen times and I don't think I've been to a show that was not hysterical. I mean, I've enjoyed every single show and you always well, constantly give a quality funny show and they're always different too because you you're kind of an off the cuff person a lot of the times. You're playing well, that's off the my audience
1: point. and in those settings in those, you know, you know, hey, we got one minute settings. It just doesn't work very well. Well, you got to warm up I to mean, it
0: too. I you have to build up to what you do. You need like some kind of the, you know, the fuel to get the the conversation going. And that that's just basically you need a pre prepared speech that you've rehearsed, and you just got to get out there and go, and that's it. You don't have time to be yeah. yourself. Yeah,
1: no, no, you really don't. In that, in, yeah, in that setting. I, I mean, the truth is, my show has sort of a loping pace to it. It's not. You know, it's not always joke, 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 joke. Um, which doesn't mean that there's not lots of jokes in it. Right. Um, I think uh, my favorite part of the night is just plain talking to the audience. I do the, you know, time honored, where are from, what do you do for a living, and and I think the difference, if there is any, the difference between me and other performers that you know would do that is that I just leave the, I leave my line out there longer. Right. I don't feel like everything everyone has to say needs to be I don't feel like everything has to be hysterically funny every second I feel like you have to you have to kind of lay the groundwork a little bit and put some you know put some biography of the person in and 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 have a common language between me and the audience and 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 then stuff sort of pops you know maybe not always but maybe and yeah that that is not generally done in a you know 30 second uh, Interview. I mean, when I do an interview, like on the radio with NPR, I mean, they just—I do a lot of public radio interviews—and they have a tendency to come to me, you know, right after, you know, right after a segment about the hijab. Uh, And so it's very difficult to change the tone. (laughs) You know, thousands of women uh, oppressed in Iran. Uh, Paula, Uh, (laughs) what do you (laughs) ask? Okay, nothing that can help with that. Nothing. Nothing Nothing. that's... I mean, a comedy is, I think, a, what's the word, a coping mechanism Right. for, you know, difficult things, but, you know, uh, it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work right off of, of a, a bone-crushingly depressing piece. Right. On NPR.
0: Now, now, how do you feel and how do you react to, like, the sensitivity of people they've gotten? Do you feel that comedy's been hurt by the over-sensitive uh, people that complain about everything, they just—you know—you can't make fun of things, you can't joke, you can't like—you um, know—comedy is 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 a different thing, and if you don't understand it, then you get bothered by it. So, I mean, how do you feel about that? Do you have to watch you know, what you say now, or?
1: I don't really, um, I, I, you know, I, you know, it's a pendulum that swings. Maybe it's swung too far in one direction, but you know, I guess it depends what one, you know, what one is sensitive to. Uh, I remember when I first lived in San Francisco years ago. I I started as a comic in Boston, and I took a Greyhound bus around the country to see what other clubs, you know, clubs in other cities were like, and I ended up in San Francisco. And at this time in my life, I think I was just getting, I. I I think I was just beginning to understand that um, being gay uh, when someone, you know, like someone who is gay didn't choose that per se. You know what I mean? That there's a there's this physiological biochemical born into the world thing that's not, you know, I think I, especially having been a comic in Boston, which was uh, very, um, you know, a place where there was lots and lots of sort of anti-gay humor. Um, and just, I don't know, growing up in a town that I think, that, that, I don't think I ever heard the word or knew such people existed um, until, I don't know, high school, maybe? Um, but then being a Boston comic, it was a place that was very, uh, you know, kind of blue collary in its sense of humor overall, the Boston comedy scene. So then I get to San Francisco, and uh, you know, I had no idea that tons of gay people lived in San Francisco either. I uh, uh, I just didn't. But then I get there and find tons of gay people live there. And um, I was struck by the fact that in this city where there's so many gay people, there was also so many people on stage uh, in the comedy community that would, I don't know, make kind of anti-gay jokes. And I think if you were to talk to the comic about it, at the time you know they would argue that oh they're just kidding but when you're in a city where there's tons and tons of gay people where do they go what if they don't feel it that way where do they where do they go to be entertained where they don't they don't have to put up with being insulted You know what I mean? And I think they did put up with being insulted a lot. I don't feel like it was a community that was very um, thin-skinned at all. Right. At all. But I I became very sensitive to that idea. I started saying to myself, and that was the one group that I recognized in that way. And I started saying to myself, you know, I'm going to make sure that I don't do that. You know, I'm going to make sure that when somebody who's gay comes out and sees my show, that they don't, you know, that they don't have to duck and cover at any point in the evening, that they don't have to, you know, take, uh, you know, friendly fire inadvertently in order to be entertained for the night. Right. I suppose you could do that with every single, you know, sort of minority group. I don't. Um, uh, you know, I look back on, you know, a couple of journeys on the other topics, and I say to myself now, I'm like, boy, you know, I don't really think that through very well. So, I, you know, I'm not, it's not what's in my heart, really, to make fun of all sorts of dis- different kinds of people. So I don't feel like I come up against that a lot. But have I ever? Yeah, I think I have. And I think it was more lack of maturity and awareness than it was, uh, you know, certainly what's what's in my heart. I just want people to be able to come out And be entertained without feeling like, oh, I have to put up with being made fun of first, Mm. you know? And and the other thing is, you know how there's words that, like, I can say I'm fat, but you can't. You know, there's also who's saying it, how they're saying it. I I don't know. There's a lot to it, but I do feel that there's a good reason to, only because of our history, I feel like there's a good reason to, to, to use a little bit of caution sometimes, to uh, you know to try to make sure that you're not hurting people's feelings because why would you want to do that
0: have you found um, that a young the younger um, I want to say millennials, but whatever the generation before them is, uh, or after that. I
1: is. have no idea what all those are. Well, the Gen I, X and the, I don't know anything about I, that means nothing to me when people say that other than I think they mean people younger than me. That's as far as I can get on. Yeah,
0: that's that's the way I look at it, too, because I'm a boomer. So ne- they're younger than me. They seem to be more sensitive and they seem to have a disconnect with boomers.
1: I'm sure you could find kids, you know, younger people. That weren't But I think overall You know um, I remember one day My daughter came home From school When she was in Like elementary school Or maybe junior high Maybe Maybe she was in Middle school And she came home And she said Well She was referring to A a boy in her class And she says She says uh, You know Jeremy uh, You know Jeremy's gay And I said What? And uh, she said I said What makes you say that? Where did you get that? And she said Well he says so And I went Oh Oh, my God, that's so different than when I was raised. And she wasn't saying it in a mean way. But when when I was growing up, if somebody in the junior high or high school had said that, I can guarantee you they were saying it in a mean way. But here's the thing that's great. Jeremy, who apparently did say that, is growing up in a time where in the community of kids he's being raised with, you know, in his in his public school, he could say that. That's fantastic. Well, that's that's
0: progress.
1: It is progress. Now, now we have a you know we have a a group of people who, for whatever reason, and I really don't understand it, um, are are fighting like hell to move us backwards on that, you, you know, to take that away. But what's really cool are the schools where, for example, you know, there's transgender kids. And the the uh, what do you call it the you know the people who go shout at the school committee meetings and stuff and all these people are trying to make it you know make things difficult for trans kids. What's what is stupendous is when you hear you know such and such a, a school the kids walked out in support of you know the, the trans kids. So yeah, I do think when when my daughter was in school you know one day uh, at our elementary school not you know not any day in particular but one day you know. She comes around the corner, uh, she's white, she's flanked by, it was another white kid, and uh, you a know, kid of Iranian descent, and a, a Hispanic kid, and a black kid. And those were her, her friends. It wasn't unusual for her to come around the corner with those friends. But there was one day where I looked at it, and I was just like, you know what, that is so different than even the adults at our school. All the Hispanic, not all. That's not fair. But a lot of the Hispanic women used to spend most of the day sitting in front of the school, and it was like I was back in high school again. You know, it's like a section of a group of kids that you had to walk by that were you know different than you in some way, right? And there, my point being that, that for my daughter Allie's generation, they didn't think anything of it, right. um, and yet for and yet for me, it's still something I notice. Uh, you know, just because I grew up in an extremely white town.
0: Well, it's hard not to because I mean, I mean, I live in Rhode Island, and the thing about Rhode Islanders that is pretty common is that once we learn the name of something and once we understand something being this, we don't usually change it. We'll never call something different, so we don't really change. Like The the Civic Center in Providence, it went from the Providence Civic Center to the Dunkin' Donuts Center, and now it just changed to the the AMP. I don't even know what the AMP stands for. And it's like, I'm still going to (laughs) call it the Civic Center. Because that's and we still we still call the grocery store Almax, even though Almax hasn't been around in like thirty years. I yeah. mean it's just the way we right, are. Yeah. We just because we're just stayed, we're just like we're set in our ways and we don't like to change, but that doesn't mean we, we don't accept different things. It's just that sometimes we just are just lazy. <laughs> I know I'm lazy. I can be lazy sometimes.
1: Well, I mean I can we have a store here called the Rite Aid that used to be called the Thrifties. It just got bought out and uh, it's a chain. And I can still call it the Thrifties, but that's different than you know, the Washington Redskins which was never was, was never a good idea. Right. And and indigenous people were asking for the longest time that we stop that. That we changed that. That's different than calling the thrifties, which is now the right age, <laughs> thrifties. <laughs> you know, it's like if everybody, you know, from the time I was young, uh, you know, called me, uh, you know, fat ass, and, and I got to an age where I went, you know what, I'd rather you not call me fat ass. And people go, oh, you know, I'm traditional. <laughs> 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 oh, I'm set my ways. You know, fuck you, you set your ways.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but there's things that if other groups hadn't brought my attention to, for example, I was watching like C-SPAN one night or something, and I saw some, you know, I saw some um, Native American, uh, you know, tribunal uh, about this issue of the Washington Redskins, and I think it was the first time in my life that I went, oh, oh yeah, and 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 then you figure how hard it fixes that? Come on, right? If it's you know, if it's real, you know, people feel like it's really a thing that you know. And one can't argue that we've done, you know, right by Native Americans. And I feel like it's a, it's a small ask. You know, okay, all right, let's call them this. What do they call them anyways now, the football team or something?
0: I don't even know. I don't follow sports, so I have no idea.
1: <laughs> I don't either, but, you know, something that should be harmful, harmless, and that everybody can enjoy. Somehow we decided well, let's choose it's n- like- names that are you're ragging on some other culture.
0: Right. Well, it's like the like I was just saying about these venue name changes. They do that at the drop of a hat, you know? They just cuz it's all to do with money there's probably some financial reasoning behind it because rebranding rebranding is cost is not cost effective or something but it's like tough shit just do it i mean they do it all the time for everything it's new improved tide laundry detergent or you know the new look of uh you know febreze it's just they do it all the time there's no reason they can't do something like that it's just that's just stubbornness i think on their part i think that's just stubbornness oh
1: i think you just do it i also think there's a certain level of uh I know racism is a strong word. Well, I think think there
0: is. I really do think there is, because I think that deep down, there's some people that are just inherently that way and may not admit it, but that's what they still think. And, you know, some people are like that and are not going to change. And I think the older they get, I mean, fortunately, I mean, that's the good thing about your generation of your daughter's age and and your son's age is that they're more open-minded. And as they become older, they're going to be more in power and things are going to be easier, there's going to be an easier acceptance of things, there won't be this hard blowback about everything I
1: think that's a very optimistic view because the other thing that's going to happen as as a result of climate change is that resources are going to become uh, uh uh you know shortage there's going to be shortage of all sorts of things
0: yeah that's and
1: true. that has a tendency to make people uh, lash out i mean hitler just sort of chose a group I, I don't think there's any logic to 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 the choice of the jews uh, as as a group to um terrorize i think mean, he just sort of chose a group the way harold hill chose um the pool table uh, is, you know, what, what can I work with? What can, you know, what can I get people upset about? And and he just started saying like, Oh, the Jews, this and the Jews, that apparently there was no real, there was no, you know, if you go, okay, well, there's this one group of people and they seem to have all the money and they seem to have all the leverage. Well, yeah, I could see people getting, I could see ginning up frustration with that group. Why do they get to have all the money? Why did that? But right. But it was never even true.
0: Right. Right.
1: (laughs) It wasn't even the fact. He just chose a group. I went, yeah. And so I think that as things get tighter, you know, that's always the reason. One one phenomenon that I notice as I travel, I'll say to somebody in the crowd, so, you know, do you live in, uh, like, say, um, I don't know, where was I just? I was just in Billings, Montana. So I might say, oh, so do you live here in Billings? And the person might say, oh, no, you know, I live in, uh, you know, Westerville. And the whole crowd will go like, ugh. <laughs> I say to the person, you have to keep in mind, I mean, I have come across this virtually everywhere I've ever been. Right. And I say to the crowd, I go, what, 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 what's wrong with Westerville? And they, you know, they don't really have, well, they're, you know, they don't really have a reason. It's just, it's Hatfields and McCoys. It's been passed down. Well, Westerville, you know, people that, you know, and we all laugh about it in the moment, you know, we say, because I tease them for belittling Westerville, and they kind of realize they don't really have anything specific against Westerville, and even the Westerville person is laughing, but I, I'm telling you, I could go and I could perform in Westerville. And I could say, so you know, you know, somebody in the crowd, you, did you live here in Westerville? And they would say, uh, no, I, you know, I live in Jonesville. And the whole crowd goes, Ugh. <laughs> it, it, there is always a whipping boy. There is always a whipping boy, and the reason for there being that whipping boy is often manufactured. But uh, yeah, that's everywhere I go. And when you ask them specifically, what is it about Jonesville? Did they do something to you? Does there High school football team win all the time. Does it? You know. Does it smell? What is it you don't like about it? They have no answer.
0: Yeah, that's true. Who knows? Yeah. People. So, people are my, weird, my, and my... Uh, the past couple of years have made people even weirder and stranger. And the whole, you know, the whole political oh, exactly. climate has warped people and. It's just, everything's all fragmented and messed up, and who knows how the hell we're going to come out of it on the other end, but...
1: Well, I'm not sure that we are, but uh, I'll tell you, that's not all bad news either, because... I hope not. Say, for example, example, Putin does go ahead and use nuclear weapons, right? Say, you know, he works his way over this way, and, you know, we got 24 hours to, to live, or 36 hours to live... You know what that means to me? That means that I don't have to get rid of the leftovers in the refrigerator. And that is one of my least favorite tasks. And so I see silver lining there. I do. I hate to grocery shop and I hate to get rid of the, the leftovers. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't, you know, we don't have to worry anymore about plastics. Yeah. A lot of problems are going to be so wiped out, so to speak. So
0: talking to my dog not you speaking of your dogs you've got two dogs and ten cats that must that must be a a, quite a a chore every day to take care of
1: it's a full-time job yeah i mean i have two cats and
0: i mean she is well one of them is, you know, off on her own most of the time, but one of them is demanding and gets separation anxiety like a dog. I mean, if I go outside, she meows and cries. And I mean, I've been working on, I, I don't know, do you know what a catio is?
1: Oh, is it enclosed?
0: Yeah, it's like a thing you hang out yeah. your window for your cats. Well, I, oh. I'm, I'm, I'm making a new one for my cat. I had made one a couple of years ago, just whipped it together for some scrap wood that I had and put it in the window. And it's been in there for three years, but the thing is, it was never weatherproofed, and we live in New England, and we have winter, and I never winterized it, and I've got this catio letting cold in there air all the, oh, all the yeah. time. So I decided to build a new one, and this one not only is taking me a long time to build, but it's also, it cost me almost $200 for the materials, as opposed to the other one's made out of scrap wood.
1: I thought you were going to say that you, you know, we live in New England, and it wasn't, you
0: know, it wasn't insulated in any way, and you sound like a frozen cat. Well, I, I'm so- making it insulated and it's like it's a project i'm trying to avoid it so i get like i bought one of those little cat doors to go in it now and it's it's quite a it's it's quite an elaborate undertaking and it's just sounds nice yeah well that's that's kind of the way i am with my cat and i only have two and one of them only demands my attention i can imagine what 10 cats and two dogs what kind of attention especially when you're on the road who takes care of them for you
1: The woman who was my my who was my kids' nanny, you know, I mean, she took care of the animals and the kids when they were little. She has worked for me for I think 28 years now. Oh wow! Oh, she loved. In fact, even during you know, of course, during the stay-at-home order, I, I didn't go out of town, but she still came over once a week, just sort of because she wanted to then, because you know, to. Pet the animals and to come walk the dogs, and so I'm really lucky uh, that, that that I I have her because it is you know you can't it's not like I can just get some pet sitting service. No, no, that's... Um, it's too many. You you you, you have to do you, you know you have to do stuff too many times a day for somebody to just drop by. Right. I sift three to four times a day. <laughs> um, I you know my dog serious takes, oh, shit, that reminds me, I forgot to give him his meds. My dog, Sirius, takes meds three times a day. You know, you have to walk the dogs, and, uh, you know, the cats do like to be played with.
0: Right, yeah. Uh,
1: I'll tell you, one of the things, since the kids are gone in particular, and I don't, you know, I don't need to impress anybody, my living room now is just full of boxes, <laughs> because uh, cats love boxes, and he's put some boxes out there, and they are delighted.
0: Oh, yeah. And uh,
1: yeah, and it doesn't take $200, it doesn't take any construction, just put it, and, and you know, you take a piece of tissue paper and put it in the box, oh, oh my God, you've created, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's Disneyland. Yeah, well this thing... Oh, hey, like, I better get going, I just realized. Oh, shit. i yeah. talked so much, that's uh, that, right. uh... I'm behind now.
0: Oh well, um, we're gonna. You're coming up to the uh, the Narrows on October 22nd, and uh, anything you want to say to get folks to come on out and see you?
1: No, I mean I'm I'm anticipating it'll be a fun night. I I love that building. I love it's that it it's repurposed. I always feel like a place that um, because you know it was a mill. Uh, it was a you know I think uh, uh you know I always picture all these people doing unpleasant, uh, underpaid tasks uh, at sewing machines or something in that building and the idea that we can fill it with laughter now and that it's actually it's so beautiful the way they refurbished it. Uh, um, it's one of my favorite places to go.
0: Yeah, I was there the other night and uh, I love that place. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to make your show. I have my own gig that day, so... I can't, well,
1: that's not right. I can't make you know it what? this time. I'm going to postpone it.
0: Can we just... <laughs> I wish you would. I, I would like to see you. I. It
1: should, it should be easy enough to do. Yeah. Uh, Postponing the, the, the audience, the ticket holders are used to it now.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll just look at my calendar. Hold on. Let me get my my paper calendar out and look. <laughs> do you have your calendar? Yep. Yep. I have a. I use a paper calendar, and it sounds like you do too.
1: I do. Yeah. I, I don't get this like uh, the thing of. Typing in with fat no. fingers into it. Yeah, I so need to scribble.
0: Yeah. I need to scribble, and I have and to be able out. to look at
1: the whole. You know, I have to. I have to look at the the sort of bigger picture.
0: Right. Right. Uh, yeah. Know. It's yeah. the same thing with like with a map. Yeah. You got to look at a map. You got to look at the bigger picture to see where you are and understand things. Yeah. Exactly. No, nobody likes the yeah. big picture I have a, anymore. In
1: my car, I don't even have a GPS. I have a globe <laughs> uh, because. It can be a little cumbersome, but you get an overall
0: sense. All right. On that note, I'm going to let you go. I know you've got things to do, and I, I, I always love talking to you, and it's, and I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to do so. And I hope you have a great show with the Narrows. Thank you very much. Thank Okie dokie. Thanks to Paula Poundstone for being part of this episode of the Roots Report podcast. Poundstone will be bringing her always entertaining stand-up show to the Narrow Center for the Arts on Saturday, October 22nd. For more about the show, non-secretory your way over to NarrowCenter.org. The Roots Report podcast is presented by Motif Magazine and sponsored by The Parlor, Arwen Entertainment, the Trinity Brewhouse Beer Garden, Grace Ale Brewing of Rhode Island, and SC